Sound of Hockey episode 226. We're calling this one the Joel Lundquist episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, uh, Joel Lundquist, for those that don't know, is the twin brother of Henrik Lundquist, a famous goalie for the New York Rangers. He announced this week that he will be retiring after this season. He is played in the Swedish Hockey League. This is like the highest level in Sweden. He's a legend there. Uh, He's 40 years old. He actually has played 159 NHL games, so he skates yeah. out. He's not a goalie like his brother, but he's got four Swedish Hockey League titles, four Champion League titles, three World Championship gold medals for Sweden, and he's been the captain for over a decade for Frölunda. So he's mm-hmm. he's a, literally a legend in Swedish yeah. hockey in the league. So I thought that was pretty cool. He's still putting up points. He's got 23 points in 41 games. At 40 years old. That's amazing. So, a, uh, anyway, I thought well, he was... Who did, uh, who did he play for in the NHL? I'm just curious. I don't remember him at all. Uh, Dallas. I, oh. I don't know if he played all 159 games, but he, he was drafted and played okay. for Dallas a bit. This is in 2006 now, to 2009. Did they ever play against each other, I wonder? That's a good question. Hmm. I am impressed by that, John, that you dug that up uh, about Joel Lundquist, uh, the lesser-known Lundquist. However, what does that have to do with 226? <laughs> At one time, he scored 226 goals in his career. <laughs> Just at one point, he was at that number yeah, for a He hit a that milestone, okay. I think. All right. As far All as right. I know, right? Very good. Uh, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you remotely. John is at uh, Bardown Studios. I- I'm in New York. New I'm York. in New York. I I got a gun. Let's go to a Broadway show. That was a Wayne's World reference, if you remember that bit. Um, <laughs> and Andy is uh, is at his uh, deal with its studios in the Northgate region. So um, <laughs> I'm on location this week. It's been pretty fun so far. Uh, basically, I'm following around the the team for these three New York road games. We're recording on Thursday afternoon, so the team's getting ready to play the New Jersey Devils for their second game of this road trip. They did not do well against the Islanders. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but what's been kind of unique about this is just being on this trip is like, you know, when you're in in uh, Seattle, there's always 10, 15 reporters around to talk to different people. Uh, I went to the practice on, I think it was Monday, their first practice back out in Long Island. And I was literally the only person there. So when Hackstall did his press conference, it was just me and him, like just one-on-one, which was... Uh, which was fascinating. Um, so it's been pretty cool. I did get to see the new UBS arena. So I'll talk about that in just a moment. We have uh, some more mailbag questions to answer. Uh, no reviews to cover this week. So get your five-star review in on Apple Podcasts and we will gladly read it on the next show. What else? Is there any other housekeeping that I need to need to hit on or are we good to, to proceed? No, I think, I think you covered it. You know, it's good to be okay. back from the all-star break slash mm-hmm. bye week. Definitely true. Um, so, okay, so UBS Arena, obviously this one was also built by the Oakview Group. So I think I had higher hopes for it than what I saw. It didn't blow my mind. I think it feels like any other uh, hockey arena. Like it it could be any arena, you know. Um, I think Seattle really got the longer end of the stick there in terms of the uh, just like a unique feeling building. Uh, one thing I heard, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I heard that they were trying to make the inside, like the bowl area look a little like the Coliseum, which I thought was a weird move because the Coliseum wasn't particularly <laughs> nice, no. you know, nothing um, really that compelling about that. Yeah. Is that yeah. building still standing or did they bring it down? I think it is still standing. I think 
but I don't know. But yeah, and I mean, it was pretty easy to get in and out of there. It is definitely closer than the Coliseum. Um, it's you can't really get there easily on the train. I, well, maybe you can't. I don't actually know. I didn't actually take the train. I, I guess to that game. I'm going to do it for. Uh, the New Jersey game tonight, so wish me luck there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just on the whole, pretty good experience. Uh, the atmosphere was pretty cool. I will say they still have the uh, fans that like stand up and play drums and lead cheers the whole game. Uh, it also was Bo Horvat's first home game, so kind of a little bit of added excitement there. So uh, on the whole, pretty cool. I think the the arena is shiny and new, and you know that just adds to it a little bit. But as far as I don't know, I just think Seattle got something way better so that's cool. my that's Love my it. review of it this Love is it. our second year in that arena correct yeah that's correct yeah, yeah, last my year, first yeah okay. visit. and then i'll get to see two others I've, I've been to the other two before though um madison square garden and prudential center um so that's where they are in these next two games they're in new jersey on thursday then new york uh you know manhattan on friday uh, and then they finish their road trip in philadelphia and of course winnipeg uh, which i mentioned on the 0.5 episode a few days ago which just makes perfect sense that they'll <laughs> stop in winnipeg <laughs> let's talk about the game it was not a good game for the kraken they lost 4-0. They did not have the energy. I mean, Haxtell told me at that practice he thought the energy was going to be there. Uh, not only did they look sloppy, but I thought the energy was just generally low. Jaden Schwartz and, and Matty Beniers both returned. I thought Beniers looked good. I thought that was kind of one of the few and maybe only bright spots of the game. I thought that just in general, he looked very confident carrying the puck, distributing it, shooting it. Schwartz said after the game he thought that the, the long travel of everybody might have been a factor that night because remember, a lot of them were in uh, Hawaii Hawaii, right? Yeah, so, so like, yeah, they they flew to to Seattle, which is a six hour flight. Then they would have flown from Seattle to New York, which is another whatever five Four, hour yeah. flight, and that's a six hour time difference. Then, so I get that. Um, it, it's hard to you know, it's hard to accept any kind of an excuse. But um, if you think about it, there really is a, a legitimate jet lag. Uh, I will also mention just on a personal level, my first night here, I was super tired uh, just because we had a short night of sleep for an early flight on, uh, I think it was Saturday morning we flew. And then uh, for whatever reason, Sunday night, I laid down at like midnight, did not fall asleep until 6 a.m. So I was just <laughs> tossing and turning for six hours and I had to get up at eight. And so I, it was just one of those nights nice. where I was like, you know, that's that's the west to east, and that's what's challenging um, going west to east. Uh, you just you have such a hard time falling asleep at the beginning of the trip. So um, anyway, what were you guys' thoughts on that game? I know you both watched it from uh, from home, at least. I, I thought that they definitely looked like a team that had been on a break right. for 10 days. I, mean, I think that was pretty obvious. And maybe maybe the first five, six minutes, they looked okay, and there was hope. But I, I agree that Beniers did look good. I kind of like Jaden Shorts was on his wing. That was a little bit of a, a line shuffle that happened. I like Shorts there. I've always liked Shorts there. Uh, especially if he's healthy because I think he is the kind of player that'll go into the corner and dig pucks out. And I think it's a perfect match for a guy like Beniers, you know, that frees him up to wheel around and do his thing. Uh, defensively, I thought they were kind of a mess. A couple of those goals were, you know, there was one where they fumbled it behind their own net and went right out. So I forget who it went to, Sezikis maybe, uh, right in front of the net. It's like, come on, like, are, aren't we done with this? That was like last year's stuff <laughs> and early this year's stuff. It's yeah, pretty sloppy. Behind the net. And then not, not only were both defensemen go behind the net, they coughed the puck up, went right to uh, Sezikis in front. Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's what it felt like, a game out of last year, last season, I should yeah. say. You know, like... The whole thing, like just a kind of a sloppy play turns into a, you know, grade A chance right in front of the net. Jones has no chance now. And and Jones, I thought, played fine 
but I know Darren, you kind of mentioned that you know there was at times where he looked a little off. Either way, I I kind of agree with both of your assessments. I don't think we've really dug into the injury, uh, but that Not really yet. threw a wrench in the lines, right? And all of a sudden, yeah. the lines were yeah. all over the place. Not sure how big it probably wouldn't have made a difference theoretically, but it did kind of derail a lot of things. And you know, you go in with a plan, and twenty seconds in, you're like, what? Okay. Yep. So anyway. Yeah. So Burakovsky, Andre Burakovsky, who's Seattle's top scorer in terms of points to your point, John, he got injured 20, he played 21 seconds. Yep. It was, I think 45 seconds or so into the game total. Um, he just kind of did like a cut to his left, tried to stop on his left leg, uh, just a non-contact kind of thing. So you never want to see that. He pulled up lame, uh, immediately went off the ice, uh, favoring that left leg, not really putting weight on it. So um, concerning. And then uh, he was quickly placed on IR, which we know the team isn't always looking to place guys on IR. They hold guys, you know, without putting them there. So um, definitely concerning. It definitely seems like it might be a little bit longer term thing. Uh, we don't really have much of an update yet. He he said yesterday at practice, I, I didn't go to practice, but I heard he just said it's, uh, you know, he's still being evaluated. So we'll see. I'll hear from him tonight, Thursday. We'll see if uh, by the time you hear this podcast, maybe there'll be a little bit of an update, but who knows? Just posted in the Times, Ron Francis is saying it's going to be a while for Burakovsky, ah, at okay. least week well, to week for now. All right. Well, which is kind of what we would expect. And and right. honestly, yeah, week to week is probably better than out for the season. And definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah if it's, I saw, that's if I saw people concerned yeah. that it was an ACL tear. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's what it was from looking at it. But I thought more some sort of pull or something. But that's just speculation. Yeah. Something I, in the groin or hip area. And we also don't know. Like, he's been dealing with something, too. True. And we don't know what that is exactly. So we don't know if it's a, a re-aggravation of that or if this is something totally new. Um, but either way, didn't look too good. Yeah, I, I think I'm in similar lines with you, Darren. It kind of looked like a groin to me, which is, I mean, it, I don't know what level, what level of tear or, or potential strain that is. But that can be, like, a, at least a month. So yeah, yeah. tough And, and realistic, like... I'm fine with that. If they say, oh, it's a month, totally fine with that. You know, it's it's tough to lose the top point getter, but if he's available in the playoffs and, and back by the playoffs, like with a couple weeks to spare just to make sure that he's he's in, in game shape and game ready, I think that's fine. This is why you build a lead in the points and you bank as many points as you can so you can deal with these kind of uh, situations. So obviously right. we'll monitor it going forward. And it's also, you know, the trade deadline is coming up and we talked about backfilling for whatever potential injuries could be happening. And uh, there you go. The Kraken also scratched Daniel Sprong in that game against the Islanders, which, uh, you know, not really fair. He hadn't produced as much before the break as he had been earlier. Um, but so it's not like they have to immediately throw somebody in from the AHL. Uh, they did recall John Hayden to have an extra body. So he'll be around. Justin Schultz is also returning. I would expect him to return against the Devils since they activated him off of injured reserve. Um, and speaking of trades, uh, they actually did make a trade this week. Jacob Megna got acquired from the uh, San Jose Sharks uh, just for a conditional fourth round pick. That was one of the extra ones that they had kind of lying around. Uh, the condition on it is I, I forget what the teams are, but they can pick which of the, f the yeah. fourth round picks they want to give over at some point. So, yeah, I mean, nice piece of work there. He played pretty big minutes for uh, San Jose this year. He was Eric Carlson's line mate, big body, six foot six, 200 plus pounds. Yeah, he looks he's big a, out there, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. he's a treat. Definitely Left tall. shot. <laughs> 
left shot, which I think is interesting. Uh, it really, you know, adds some competition, I think, for a guy like Carson Soucy. Uh, interestingly, they had Soucy and Megna playing together on the third pairing the other night while Schultz was still out. So with Schultz back in against New Jersey, and again, this is going to be one of those things that you'll know the answer to this probably by the time you hear this podcast. But um, with him back in against New Jersey, I have to think Soucy might might be sitting but we shall see yeah so so with the trade for magna you know it's a decent trade they didn't have to give up too much he's kind of a solid defensive guy uh you know he's not an offensive player i think he only had one goal and 11 assists so far this year ironically playing with eric carlson who's one of the top if not the top offensive defenseman in the league uh you know I, re- I read a lot of people saying that they thought this was some protection they got for manny veneers or, or an enforcer and I think you're going to be disappointed if that's what you're expecting out of him. I don't think that's his game. I mean, he only had 21 penalty minutes so far this season, only 51 in his career. One fighting major, which I saw it. I, I looked it up, and he fought Dumba, but it wasn't really much of a fight. I mean, Dumba hit hit a guy. Megan went after him. They dropped the gloves, but it's more of a wrestling match. So if you're expecting him to be like an enforcer with a size, that's not what he is. So right. if you're, if you're, if you're in the camp, I think they need to get with some guy like that for veneers. They're still looking. Uh, he did make his debut against the Islanders. Uh, I think I mentioned that already. He had 18, 15 of ice time. So that's a, a decent amount. I think where he fits in though, I mean, it, it would kind of make sense to have him, you know, they, they really like the look of the top pair, right. With Adam Larson and Vince Dunn, where yes. you have kind of the, the stay at home two way guy with the more uh, offensive type of guy. And and then you have uh, Justin Schultz kind of plays a similar-ish game to Vince Dunn, I'd say. So I think if you put him next to uh, Justin Schultz, I think that could make a lot of sense. So um, anyway, I like the deal. I think it's a, a nice depth move. I think it's exactly the kind of trade we were expecting um, from this team. And I think we're going to see more of that. If Burakovsky's thing is super long term, I could see more of an impact forward being brought in to replace him. Um, but we'll see. Uh, What's Kraken? The TV show re- debuted on uh, Wednesday night. I didn't get to see it since I'm in New York. I gather you guys also didn't get to see it. Am I correct? That, that is correct. That's correct. Okay. I was, I was at right. the rink. I've been wanting to. I tried to record it, but it wasn't showing up on the uh, the guide a couple days before it aired. So now I feel I missed it. So I wonder if they'll I, rerun it. They probably. Maybe. Well, shoot. I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was worth mentioning because John, you and I might appear on that show from time to time. We'll see. We got we got asked for some some inputs. So. That's possible. Keep your eyes peeled for uh, good old John Barr and good old Darren Brown on the What's Kraken show. Kraken Youth Hockey has announced that uh, they are forming a AAA program next season. Andy, you had the scoop on this. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, well, we were talking before recording. It can be very confusing, the youth hockey world. So AAA is also called Tiered 1, which can be confusing. But it's the highest level of youth hockey as far as skill goes. It's where a lot of uh, colleges, a lot of w, you know, junior teams scout. So it's, 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 it's the Kraken are hoping that it'll give them a chance to have players uh, stay at home. We've talked before about players who are good, who play youth hockey here, end up having to leave when they're like 14. You know, Dylan Gambrell is an example. Uh, you know, there's others too. White Wiley, I think, left. Uh, so did, so did uh, Mackay Sanders, who's now playing with the Thunderbirds. They all had to leave because they wanted to, you know, more exposure and better competition. So the Kraken are hoping that that no, no longer will have to happen, that they'll have an option to stay at home. Uh, they're holding tryouts in April, and they, they're hoping to begin play 
uh, next fall, the next the next hockey season. Cool. Just to be clear, there there have been options. Um, sometimes in it happens, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. By a lot of the other associations that are still in the area and still what I consider thriving. At least that's what I've heard from multiple people at other associations. So it's not necessarily you know the first time it's happening, but but this will hopefully create a little bit more. Uh, holistic approach with centralizing it around the Seattle Kraken because that's sometimes mm-hmm. that what's happened in the past is it, it just these teams tend to get fragmented. Wenatchee's still going to have a triple yep. A team as far as yeah. Yep. Okay, sorry. So go ahead, Andy. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, when I, like John was saying, Wenatchee does have a, uh, such a program. Still, so this will be the main one here in the on the west side of the state. So uh, it's a nice balance to have, and they're looking for a league to play in. They have a couple interested. Um, and they're looking at tournaments that they can go off and play. Triple A teams go off and travel and play in tournaments. Uh, I, as I know, just from my my experience with my nephew who played Triple A in San Jose, they were always on away at tournaments, and uh, it is pretty good hockey. I've seen some of it. Uh, you know, if you think back, if you were at the Shower Center a couple of years ago when the Thunderbirds hosted their uh, their their top pro, whatever they called it, their U.S. Prospects tournament. Uh, those were a lot of AAA teams that were in that tournament. Um, the ones that were from America, by the way, at least. So it's going to be it'll be fun to see. It'll be interesting to see. I, I know I, I talked to uh, Marty Hilinka, who is the runs the youth programs there at, for the Kraken, and their their ultimate hope is that uh, someday a Kraken player gets drafted who started playing at, at the community ice center and grows and goes all the way through. Uh, but he also said beyond that, though, they're just hoping to help develop uh, good people and, and hockey players for life is, is really the goal. Very good. As long as we are talking about developmental type of hockey in the area, we also have a WHL update with our WHL correspondent. Hello, Andy. Hi. The, Wait, the... Our WHL correspondent, Andy Eyed. Hello, Andy. I said that wrong. OK, there you go. <laughs> Hello. Well, the big news locally here is that uh, Dylan Gunther, who was, I believe, the ninth pick overall a year ago uh, by the Arizona Coyotes, uh, has been reassigned to the Thunderbirds because they really needed, you know, some offensive talent on that team. Yeah. If if you recall, the Thunderbirds have basically traded away every draft pick they have. It feels like <laughs> for the next three years, uh, they had they got the rights to Dylan Gunther, who played for the Edmonton Oil Kings last season and actually won the championship, beating the Thunderbirds. Although he missed a lot of that series, but uh. He's a very talented player. Uh, they're adding him to their already talented roster. Uh, it's just kind of amazing to see the team that they've built. Uh, they don't seem too worried about all the assets they've given up. They have. They feel they have a pretty good team in the pipeline. Uh, you know, the younger age, so they should still be competitive. Uh, from what I understand, Gunther is in town, and they're expecting him to play Friday night against Red Deer uh, and former T-Bears coach and friend of the pod, Steve Connawalchuk, who coaches Red Deer. He'll be back. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny, the, the U.S. division, Portland, you know, there was a bit of an arms race. They traded for the rights to Chaz Lucius, who had, was off to a great start for them. And then he injured a shoulder, and he's out for the rest of the season, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he was a guy who played at University of Minnesota, then I think he de- he, he leave or decommit uh, and was playing uh, in the minor leagues. I think he was playing a little bit with Manitoba. A good player, and uh, so they're going to be without him. So they'll try to have to have to match the Thunderbirds without that big gun in their lineup. And then in the O, the OHL. Wait, the O isn't the WHL. What's going on? Yeah, I thought it, was, thought it was related. I no, threw I this into. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's on me. I was shuffling around the show notes and I thought it just was a good place to squeeze this in. So in the o, carry on it. This is a w. CHL update with our <laughs> CHL correspondent, Andy Ed. So the Hamilton Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. They've announced plans. They're going to temporarily relocate to Brantford, Ontario, not to be confused with Brampton. 
Right. There you go. <laughs> not the change, same place. Not the same place. They'll change their name to the Brantford Bulldogs, and they're expecting to be there two seasons maybe while their while their arena gets redeveloped. So they'll be so, a, a sort of a new team in the OHL, but it's really the same team just in a new location. Well, and it's interesting because Hamilton used to be the Hamilton Bulldogs of the yes. AHL, right? Yes. Yep. And they used to be the Belleville Bulldogs. So yep. there's a lot of bees going on here. Um, <laughs> but uh, the arena that they're getting redeveloped is the first Ontario center. Any guesses to who's developing first Ontario center? <laughs> Oakview group. Good guess. You win. Hey, all yeah. right. Hamilton is also the home of the Hamilton Mustangs, which is the greatest junior team ever. Oh, by yeah. the way, yeah. I mean, they're fictional, but still the greatest team ever. Sure. 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 <laughs> um, hey, I just want to toot my own horn really quick. I'm pretty sure I called the, the Gunther thing happening, right? Because when that trade happened, I remember you, Andy, and a couple other people were like, I highly doubt he's getting sent back. Um, and I was like, but then why do it? Like, why would they have done that if they didn't have some expectation that well, that was, yeah. it was realistically possible? Yeah, I don't know. Sure. You wonder, but... you wonder if there was a, a little wink, wink, nod, nod going on there um, with Bill LaForge, the general manager for the Thunderbirds. But my, my main skepticism came from the Coyotes talking about how he was there to stay and, you know, all that stuff. And he was playing games after the World Junior. So it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. Um, but but they made the, they made the decision on the last day before – he would have accrued a year for uh, uh, unrestricted free agency. So they did save a year long-term of Gunther. This is Coyotes, by the way. So if he had stayed another day, he would have accrued a year for towards uh, free agency. Very good. Excellent CHL update from our WHL correspondent, Andy Ide. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, part two of our mailbag. So we started it last week. Uh, we're going to now just try to answer a few more of the questions that came in that we couldn't get to. So we're starting with our good friend, Idiot Guru here, who says, I heard Dave Tomlinson mention that Jones, Martin Jones, plays more predictably than Philip Grubauer, making things easier on his teammates. He claimed that led to more wins for Jones over Grubauer, but the underlying stats suggest the only major difference is the offense showing up during his starts. Can you make sense of his theory? Um, I think his theory there is that they they know exactly where pucks are going to go off of him um, is is where I think he's coming from on that because he plays so similarly every game. And like if if Jones isn't good, it's not so much that he's like. I don't know, he's slow or something like that. It's that the other team is making great shots. Like, that's what I think is kind of happening with him because he plays exactly the same every every game. He's almost robotic in that he's way. very calm. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of what that theory means um, as far as the, you know, the underlying stats with the, the offense. I think we talked about that a little bit on the last one where just I think there's just a piece of confidence there that um, is a little different with Jones and Nett. Now, I think... They didn't show any of that in the last game. So <laughs> I so one thing, though, here and I kind of asked around about this theory, if, okay. they, if this was a thing. Um, and I know you're our resident goalie, so I'm not trying to disclaim that. But no, uh, I heard it, it might have more to do with the trust of Grubauer based on how he played last year and that mm -hmm. that the team, particularly early in the season, did not trust Grubauer because of last year's performance. Now, that said, the team's been playing a little looser in front of him, or, or better, I should say, and more uh, offensive-minded. And Grubauer's numbers lately in his all-but-few starts in December, he's playing really, really well and better than Jones. So I think it might have something to do more with Grubauer's consistency and history from the year before than Jones's predictability of this season. Because Jones okay. has not been playing particularly well lately, uh, but the team scores two more goals 
a game when Jones is in net. So something to keep an eye on. I have like a deep dive I've been working on around the two goalies, and I've been digging into the statistics quite a bit around both of them. Uh, now, the thing is, the sample size with Kubauer is relatively small this season right. because he hasn't right. played that many games. So mm. anyway, we'll see how this plays out, but um, I'm sure we'll see. I think there's a couple back-to-backs coming, and and we'll see both of them going. So we'll continue to monitor. There you go. Uh, Idiot Guru also asks, is Cole Lind going to be a Kraken in training camp next season? So a couple pieces there. I'm not quite sure if Idiot Guru is asking about his contract situation or if that's about is he going to make the team out of camp. Uh, he's, he's an RFA. I would guess they're going to qualify him. He's doing well at the AHL level. Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't qualify him. It's a not a huge huge number. So I would I would think he'll be at least under contract as to whether or not he makes the team. I don't know. It all depends on on who stays and who who goes. You know, we we talked last week about guys like Donato and Geeky and Sprong and are they still around next year? You know, that's I would think they probably are, but I don't know if they can afford them under the cap. So maybe maybe that's Cole Lind's route in is if one of those guys goes, uh, maybe Cole Lind is a more affordable option for them. I would say he's definitely on the bubble of, of making the NHL regular. So what Darren just said, and keep in mind that Cole Lind is. You know, he could very easily be an NHLer, I think. Yeah, he's close. Love Monkey says, of the players from last year, who do you guys consider most improved? From, from last year, well, Sprong comes to mind right off the bat. <laughs> um, yeah. He played know, pretty just, well for the Kraken down the stretch for the, the brief time. Yeah, but but not well enough for them to tender him a contract so or, or qualify him. Uh, I think I think his game has, his overall game has improved. He, he, he showed that he had a shot last year. I think he had, what, six goals and no assists. Um, so I think I think overall his game has been improved to where he's getting regular minutes, although he got scratched last game. But before that, he was he was in the lineup on pretty much a daily, daily basis. Yeah, I'd go Will Borgen. Will I'd Borgen uh, yeah. didn't play much last year. And no. on the rare occasion that he did, I, I didn't personally love what I saw from him last year. I think this year he's really seized his opportunity. He's been he's been solid every game he's played, which has been, I think, every game. Uh, and then obviously Philip Grubar, too, has has made a huge, oh, yeah, huge one. improvement over I'll last say, year. I'll so. say Vince Dunn, uh, even though oh, there I, you thought, go. I liked yeah. him last year. Yeah. He's obviously even, even in the season. It seems like midseason, he's he's like even accelerated his game. Like I've always liked his game, but I think he took it to another level this season. Good timing for him. What a group is that? Iced Kraken says, if Dunn keeps playing near his January level of performance the rest of the season, what type of deal would you expect him to get as Jeez. an RFA this summer? <laughs> That's a tough one, right? Um, I'm wondering if they'll if they'll try to do kind of a a Dylan Cousins type of a move here, where or uh, I don't know, name one of the many deals that the Buffalo. Sabres have made where they they give him like a kind of a big contract betting that this is the Vince Dunn who they who they have right rather than just qualifying him for a season do they give him a six seven year deal at I don't know maybe six seven million dollars I mean that's a obviously it's a big payday but he's clearly a pretty important piece of the of the lineup here so we're we're getting into that range though where they're gonna have to start paying guys right if they yeah. if they want to keep them around so we well, shall see and and we're gonna talk about a little of them later uh there was quite a few signings in the last week um basically mm-hmm. people getting extended um we'll get into it but this is the time frame where you start to hear about those signings and so i it wouldn't surprise me if the kraken start extending people uh that are that are on rfa deals or ex- they're expiring to our uh restricted free agency Done probably being priority one. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. with you, Darren. I do think it's a little different with cousins and and done because 
Dunn is much older than Cousins is um, because he's already had that bridge deal to kind of take him a couple more years in, in RFA. Remember, he was an RFA when Seattle drafted him in the expansion draft, and then they signed him to a two-year deal. So to your point, though, I'm a little worried that, I mean, it, it you know, we, we haven't talked about it too much, but with, with the career years that a lot of these guys are playing, particularly like Donato, Sprong, and Dunn, Mm-hmm. They all need new new deals, and I don't think you can get Donato and Sprong for close to league minimums like they have them now. So you need to start making some some cuts. Now there is a lot of salary coming off the books next season with Susie and uh, Donskoy, uh, and potentially you know one of the goalies, probably Jones. So um, there is going to be room, but things start to get tight. Sir W. Cotton says, "I don't want to sell the farm." Parentheses moo <laughs> slash our future to maybe go a few games deeper in a playoff round. But I'd like to hear what your dream choices are in terms of, um, I don't know, like if, if you could add anybody at the, at the trade deadline, who would it be? Uh, he says, one of the few guys on the market, I'd at least think about trading a 2023 first rounder for uh, if they were a guy like him. Oh, but then it gets deleted. So I don't actually know who his, who his pick. Oh, he's, I think maybe Patrick Kane or Timo Meyer, I think is what he's saying. But I think those are unrealistic. I, but I don't know, like if, He's not asking so much for it's unrealistic. Dream. It's just not yeah. realistic based on track record and, and mm-hmm. the way we've seen this organization operate. So Right. Yeah, I don't know. I it's really hard for me to pick a like yeah. if you could add any one player. I'd like for them to get somebody in his mid twenties that's gonna be around <laughs> yeah. for a few years that can um score twenty, twenty five goals, you know, somebody like that. Which is not Patrick um, no, it's I not. I love Timo Meyer, uh, but I, I don't know that for this team right now that I would give up a first rounder for him. No chance. Yeah. No chance yeah. in my, my book. I don't, I don't. I mean, the dream scenario, they, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think there is a guy that they're willing to give up. Yeah, I think no. we just and, we just live in like closer to reality than dream sequence. You know, yeah. like. <laughs> I know it's hard for me because we're like, like, oh, yeah. We know like, what it'll cost, right? Yeah. Sure, Timo uh, Meyer would be awesome to have on the team. But then I'm like, I don't know about his cap head. And, you know, and that's just like how my brain works. Meyer. Great. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Dreams. Yeah. yeah. There, 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 there's my dream sequence. Yeah. There you go. Fifth rounder for, for Timo Meyer. We got it. All right. (laughs) Then I'm in. Yeah. Uh, All right. Our last one comes from Andy in Lake City. Uh, He actually asked via the comments section on soundofhockey.com. He says, we got, well, this isn't really a question. He says, hey, we got the red glare chant going during the anthem. Um, Okay. He said it's an idea that he projected into the universe. So, okay. Thank you, Andy. Um, And and speaking of, I do like that one better than the other many things that people shout during the anthem. So, I guess. Yeah. Thank you. But now we got to get people stopping doing all the other things back to the whole pick a lane, uh, get off my lawn that I had like two months ago. Uh, (laughs) But he says, speaking of Miami with the all-star game coming up. So he left this several days ago. He said, what cheap plastic toy should we start showering the ice with after goals as in how they throw rats in Florida during the playoffs? Um, My my, my suggestion is none. Yeah. Mm, Okay. I don't want to get, I don't want us throwing things on the ice. Right. Uh, so he said troll dolls, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, but that was his suggestion. It's funny, but I don't want that to actually happen. <laughs> okay, we won't we won't put that out there. Then we'll just uh, keep that one to ourselves here. That's just an inside joke for those of us who listen to the podcast. Right. So, um, so don't bring your troll dolls. Um, I don't know. Maybe we could do a like a salmon thing. That's not a cheap. Well, I like. No, never mind. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah, no, no. forget but, it. Yeah. Forget it. <laughs> I mean, there is tradition with throwing a fish on the ice in Seattle. Yeah, it was back yeah. in the Breakers days. They would throw a salmon on the ice when they played mm. Portland. Well, but now the Predators throw catfish. So right, we are, we so that feels a little... yeah. are we stealing? Are we stealing? And 
I mean, the three stars, they're throwing salmon into the crowd, yeah. right? So it's like basically the exact same thing, but in reverse. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll think about it. We probably don't need to throw anything on the ice that yeah. isn't really good for anybody, if we're being honest. I, I am amused how whenever the Kraken tweet like video of, the, of them eating fish, mm-hmm. people from out of town think that they're real fish. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is just yeah. like, can you imagine a real fish being thrown into the crowd, catching a real fish? Like, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. want to catch a real fish. <laughs> uh, actually, okay, we're going to answer one more question here. Uh, McVeigh says, what's Darren's dream goalie gear setup for his own personal goalie gear corner? That's a pretty good question. Um, I think, I don't know, my helmet now is like a kind of a light blue and dark blue motif. So I'd probably want to stick with that. I always liked the main black bears look. Um, I think I'd, I'd want to do a Brian setup with like a really cool cut and sew type of graphic on it, like what Magnus Helberg does. But I don't know what graphic I would put on there. Maybe it would be a, a cool weasel, some sort of cool weasel, because I have a weasel on my helmet, a crap weasel. So maybe I'd do that. Would that be cool? Yeah. I don't know. I like we need some people. concepts. We need to drum up some concepts. Yeah, maybe. Share with could the universe. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, I'm I'm probably not going to actually go out and buy new customers <laughs> for thousands of dollars. But uh, <laughs> but if I did, right, I would uh, I would want to put a cool cool image on there. Um, okay, that is our mailbag, and it's a good segue into everyone's favorite segment. Is it goalie gear corner? This week's Goalie Gear Corner references Igor Shosturkin, who could be an opponent of the Seattle Kraken just uh, within the next, what, 48 hours here. Uh, he's got a cool Brian setup that he wore at the uh, the All-Star game. Like I mentioned previously on one of our episodes that I really liked the, uh, the, the colors that they went with for this. I thought it was pretty cool. And they did kind of a throwback to like the early, what, early 2000, early mid 90s when were those star jerseys that they wore i think it was in the 90s right it was right okay so anyway uh shesterkin had a brian's set up right in line with kind of what i'm thinking here uh and he made these really cool star logos uh that kind of it it works with the brian's logo but it also works with the the all-star look so i just loved these i thought they were super clean super sharp of the goalies that had custom setups at the all-star game i definitely thought his was the best one so wanted to call that one out well done igor shesterkin and that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> we now move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. Things aren't going well for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I think they're, you know, it's becoming a real possibility that they may not make the playoffs and uh, hurting those chances. Mark Stone is out indefinitely after he went, underwent back surgery. Now, he's been he's been dealing with back issues for a long time. They, they finally decided to have him uh, have surgery, and now he's out long term so that doesn't help their chances at all feels eerily sim- similar to last season when they were in playoff positions for most of the year and then injuries started happening and, and they just fell out of it at the end right yeah and, and if you remember the pacific's kind of tight like with yep. five teams now theoretically they could all make the playoffs but you know calgary's in that fifth slot and they're not going away i don't think so they're going to stay in it to the end and I, I don't know. Vegas, I'm not thinking they make the playoffs this year, but that's like my hot take. So what about L.A.? That. L.A. is currently in a playoff position. Yeah, they, I think they have they're... a negative goal differential, which, which would worry me if I was a Kings fan. 
They've gotten terrible goaltending. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I think there's probably a good chance that they make it. I think they're one of the teams that's kind of been pushing Seattle here for the top spot. So um, I think L.A. probably makes it. But let's just let's just let the games play out here. How about that? Let's <laughs> yeah, see what happens. Yeah. Our next weekly one timer. There were several new signings around the league. So we mentioned last week, Bo Horvat got traded to the Islanders. Uh, they then quickly tr- uh, signed him for an eight-year, $8.5 million contract, mm. uh, right in line with what I would have expected. Lou Lamarillo was quoted as saying he thought that the contract was too long and too much money, uh, which, of course, he was the one that offered the contract. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, he did score against the the Kraken the other night, his first goal for the Islanders. Um, I think it's a, a huge ad for them, right? Is it? going to be enough to get them into the playoffs i don't know uh but that's what they're going for Uh, i do appreciate from their standpoint right i I think if you had made that trade and then lost him after this season that would have been a disaster um but you know you can kind of wrap your head around why they made the trade now that they have him in long term my opinion yeah but he is uh going to be 35 at the end of this contract now the cap will go up but it'll look like an overpay uh in four or five years right Yeah. yeah Every contract does, right? If it's yeah. a big, big yeah. long term. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that the, the Kraken didn't make that kind of a deal happen. Okay. Washington, the Capitals, Washington, the Capitals, they, uh, <laughs> don't know why I said it that way. They extended two players this week, Dylan Strom, five years at 5 million and Sonny Milano, three at 1.9. Uh, he's an interesting one because he was a PTO. Remember at the flames, he didn't have a contract. Uh, some people were saying they didn't think he was even going to be in the league this year. So, uh, I guess he's, he's found himself a spot there in Washington. They seem to like what he's doing and they locked him up for three years. So, um, that's interesting. We mentioned during the mailbag. Dylan Cousins signed for seven years, 7.1 million with Buffalo. Um, I think that's, like I said, another one of those where that guard, here's young talent. Let's try to get him under long-term contract early before he's worth 9 million or whatever. Right. So um, interesting. That's how they continue to do business there in Buffalo. Um, It certainly seems to be paying off for them with Tage Thompson, who erupted. We'll see on on Dylan Cousins. He's he's obviously a very good young player. Uh, Will he live up to that contract? We will find out. Our next weekly one-timer. Rasmus Anderson got hit by a car uh, while riding a scooter. Uh, Sounds like he spent some time in the hospital, but he got released. Um, They're just kind of monitoring him, but it sounds like he's okay. But uh, that's that's not ideal. You know, you don't want to. Yeah. And they were were explicit about saying, making sure there were no rumors and speculation that there was no alcohol involved. So, Uh, right. Right. Good. By him or the other vehicle. They both. did not. Uh, I, I don't know. To be a what honest, about, but I'm pretty sure it reminds it reminds me of uh, of when Brendan uh, Witt was walking down the street in Philadelphia, got hit by an SUV, and still played that night. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I know there's no alcohol involved in this incident. What about uh, the house band at the Climate Pledge Arena? Oh, I got some heat about that <laughs> for some reason. Did you? Yeah. Did you? Interesting. Um, our next weekly one timer. <laughs> The 2024 All-Star Game will be held in Toronto. Which which won't be annoying at all. Right. <laughs> Not sure it'll be great. <laughs> Our final weekly one-timer. Uh, 15 different parties have shown interest in purchasing the Ottawa Senators. Ooh. Per Chris Johnson, the price tag is around $800 million, which is a pretty decent chunk of change. There do we have that? Ottawa we should like, pull together and buy them. I bet our listeners could do it. Yeah. Like if we if we got everybody to chip in, Should we do a maybe GoFundMe we'll do it. campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. And, and change the name to the Crap Weasels, the Ottawa Crap yeah. Weasels. <laughs> right. 
Hey, you know what we didn't mention? Uh, speaking of, yeah, the Ottawa crap weasels. I like that. That's got a good ring to it. Uh, speaking of which, though, you know, we did the crap weasel shirts back in the day. We mentioned last week we were thinking about doing a friend of the pod T-shirt. John, you had another idea for a shirt. Did you want to pitch that to our listeners? Well, actually, I heard from a listener uh, via uh-huh. text that said um, they want to see a shirt that says the vibes are good. So. Mm. I think one of them will see the light of day. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, we're working on it a little yeah. bit. We'll yeah. see. We're not very fast moving on these types of things, but we're looking at it. So, um, okay. Those are our weekly one-timers. We now move on to our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. Uh, my tweet of the week comes from Wes Gilbertson, who is uh, he, he is on the Calgary Flames beat okay. uh, for one of their local newspapers. and. I was feeling he also took some time off because he tweeted out over the, a couple of days ago. Ever feel like you're in, you're the only one at a bar in Hawaii who's noticed that the Flames adjusted their power play personnel? <laughs> <laughs> wow! I gotta imagine there are not a lot of Calgary Flames fans hanging out in the Hawaii bars. Yeah, uh, you never know, right? Yeah. Snowbirds, you That's never true. know. John, do you have a tweet of the week? I do. Okay. Yeah, it comes from Saad Youssef. He's a a writer for The Athletic. He covers the Dallas Stars. And his tweet is, the way Jake Ottinger is breaking the hearts of the wild players should be illegal this close to Valentine's Day. So so on Wednesday night, he saved 38 out of 39 shots uh, in a 4-1 victory for the Stars over the wild. Uh, mine comes from Dave Eminian, who uh, he was at uh, Ice Time, Ice Time Cleave. Uh, he was covering an SPHL game, which I had to look up what the SPHL was. I wasn't familiar. Yeah, that's a it's Southern the Professional Hockey. Southern yeah, Professional Sometimes hockey, Professional, right. I've heard it referred to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he says SPHL drama in Danville, where host Vermilion County did not show up for their game against Quad City. It's a four Forfeit win for Quad City. Most bizarre thing I've seen in 40 years covering pro hockey. Quad City bust in, skated warm-ups, lined up for national anthem slash face-off. Then they skated a lap and saluted the crowd. And he's got a whole video of the whole thing. It literally is just one team on the ice. There's just no other team there, which I thought was <laughs> pretty darn funny. Do you have to do that funny. for a forfeit? Do you have to actually I don't know. Puck? I honestly don't know, um, but somebody asked him what the reason was. He said that uh, the team that forfeited was nine seventy and seven in a year and a half. They Oof. went through ten coaches, ten Oof. skaters left the team, and their attendance was under four hundred per game. Wow! <laughs> so, and did you did you mention it's it's officially folded? Yeah. Uh, I did not mention I that. I did you. not know that, that piece was of update, it. So. Update from Chris Peters, friend okay. of the pod. Like, uh-huh. he's a good friend of the pod. Let's put it that uh-huh. way. I don't want to offend yep. anybody. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> apparently this year they were four twenty four and two. Um, oh. it, there appears to be some kind of a deep dive story that I did not have the time to read through. So, okay. uh, interesting, interesting situation there in the what I saw referred to as the sometimes professional hockey league. Uh, we close the show with Sound of Hockey's Three Stars. You know, Andy, need, you're what? We need a sound effect there that's like a crowd cheering. We have a sound effect. We have the okay. natural music, right, from the natural? Yeah. Which, you might, I mean, we can over. probably change that up. We can think about I, that. I, 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 I like the idea of like a crowd applauding or cheering. I like the natural. Okay. That's, that's, it makes me giggle every time I hear it. Well, maybe we do both. <laughs> who knows? You can do both. Um, Andy, who's your star of the week? My star of the week is Brad Lambert, uh, mm-hmm. who is joining the Seattle Thunderbirds, Winnipeg Jets first rounder. 
He's always been an intriguing prospect to me because he hit the scene when he was like 16 playing for Finland in the World Juniors. And yes, he is from Finland, even though his name is Brad. Um, and, <laughs> and I had a chance to talk to him last week for a story that will appear on Sound Hockey probably by the time you hear this. But uh, So he's, he's joined the Thunderbirds. He's played six games for, this, for Seattle. He has four goals and three assists and seven points. And he's had maybe up until now by now, but up until Sunday, he had maybe one practice with the team. So pretty impressive start for a guy who really may not know his teammates all that well just yet. John, your star of the week. Uh, my star of the week is Jagger Furcus. Ah. The Furcus Circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went loose this week, uh, Wednesday against the Oil Kings. He had a hat trick. Uh, very nice. He's got four goals in his last three games. Jagger cool. Furcus. Love see, love his highlights, too. His highlights are awesome. Yeah, as long as we're talking about Kraken prospects playing in junior hockey, my star of the week is Ty Nelson. So uh, he had a hat trick this week as well. Uh, and he's, I mean, remember, he's a defenseman. He's got 60 points in 49 games, an 18-year-old with the North Bay Battalion. So Decent. that's a heck of a season for him. Uh, he slipped down to, I believe, the third round, if I'm not mistaken, and the Kraken yeah, snatched right. him up. So yep. uh, really like that player. I uh, liked him in training camp, I thought, or in rookie camp. I guess I thought he looked very solid. He's he's thick. He's built like a spark plug. Um, really like that player. So uh, that is our three stars. That also wraps up our episode 226. Please do subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the next show. And we will talk to you all very soon for episode 227. Cheers. Cheers.